see it. Amen. If you'll turn with us to the book of Acts, chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16 tonight. I do want to say I'm thankful to be back in God's house. Amen. Acts chapter number 16. If you'll stand with us tonight, we'll read three verses of Scripture and have a word of prayer. Acts chapter 16. And verse number 16. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of out the same hour. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do ask that you would bless the reading of thy word. Thank you for every testimony. Thank you for the youth choir tonight. Thank you for the special songs that were sung. And I pray now that you'll give us liberty, give us vocabulary, ask you to bind the devil in any way. Lord, any foul spirit that would grieve the Holy Spirit. Lord, have your will and your way. Bless the message, bless the invitation, and most of all, get glory and honor. We'll thank you for what you do, for we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice here in Acts chapter number 16 that there's three major conversions in this chapter that I think is worthy of mentioning tonight. First of all, if in verse number 11 down to verse number 15, uh, there's the conversion of a businesswoman by the name of Lydia, a seller of purple who gets saved by the grace of God. And then in our text tonight, in verse number 16 down to verse number 18, uh, there's a slave girl that is uh, uh, delivered and she also is converted uh, through the preacher, through the rebuke of the apostle Paul. Then in verse number twenty, verse number twenty-four down to verse number thirty-four, uh, one story that we're all familiar with is the con- is the conversion of a prison guard or a Philippian jailer. Uh, they get saved at midnight by the prayers and the praising of God of the apostle Paul and of Silas. And so uh, here we have three conversions in this text that simply uh, tells us that the gospel saves all tonight. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or if you're a man or if you're a girl or if you're a boy tonight. uh, The gospel will work at any age for anybody uh, that understands their need for Christ. Amen. But when we come to this text tonight, we look at this damsel for just a few moments tonight and we consider some things about her. First of all, uh, we consider the misery of this girl. As the Bible said that a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination divination, uh, may us. This woman has multiple spirits uh, uh, that's living within her. She is demon possessed and so uh, this woman is living in misery. You know that's where a lot of sinners are at today when you look at them. A lot of the reasons they do the things they do and live the way that they live. Number one is because they're blind but number two because they're in bondage. Amen. They don't know any different and they're living in misery and so we see the misery of this girl and then we see the misuse of this girl in verse number 16 uh, others are misusing her her masters the Bible said uh, for much gain of soothsaying you know that's what the world will do for you tonight and listen you get out there and you live with the world and you live as the world and you live for the world you know what the world the flesh and the devil will do it'll misuse you every single time and so we see the misuse of this girl and we see the misery of this girl but notice the message of this girl in verse number 17 
16. The Bible said the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, notice this, these men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. You know what's interesting about that verse tonight is that this girl had the right message but she had the wrong spirit. And I want to preach tonight on that subject on the right message but the wrong spirit. You see, tonight, if we're not careful, the same thing can happen. What happened to her, I understand that she's lost uh, and she's got the spirit of a devil, but I'm telling you the same spirit can happen to any of us tonight. Uh, We can have the right message. We can say the right things just as she did in this verse, but we can have the wrong spirit about us. We've seen it in the pulpit many times. Uh, uh, Perhaps you've witnessed a preacher get up and he would preach and everything he was saying was the truth. Uh, He was preaching in the Bible. He was uh, telling the word of God, but his spirit was bad. His spirit was foul. And uh, the spirit overrides the message oftentimes. I've heard it mentioned by preachers of old. Somebody uh, coined this phrase. I don't know who it was, but they said that people uh, will remember your spirit long after they have forgotten your message. Amen. You know, that's not just true for a preacher. It is, uh, but it's true about a Sunday school teacher. It's true about a testimony. It's true about a person personal witness tonight. I mean, the spirit that we do things in is what people are going to remember the most. Uh, And so this woman has the right message, but she has the wrong spirit. And we've seen that in pulpits. Uh, I'm telling you, preachers have done great damage uh, uh, by getting up and preaching. Though they were telling the truth, uh, they just had an arrogant spirit. Or uh, maybe they had a bitter spirit. Or maybe they had a, a jealous spirit or a prideful spirit. All of that will override anything. I would say something to every young preacher here tonight. You need to stay as humble as you can. Stay as low as you can. And it doesn't matter how much you know. Amen. The old saying is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen. I'd rather hear an uneducated preacher get up and preach with a right spirit, a humble spirit and the touch of God on their life as to hear an educated preacher get up that's lifted up in selfish pride and thinks that your knowledge will puff up, amen? But wisdom will keep you in the right place. And wisdom can only come from God. It's often been said any old fool can read a book and remember something and get up and quote it, amen? And I think sometimes as preachers, we have to remember that. It's not our theology and our doctrine, although that is vital and it's important, but it can be overshadowed by the wrong kind of spirit, amen? It can be seen in the pulpit. It can also be seen in the pews. Well, we have to be careful about our spirit. You can be gun barrel straight and twice as empty. You know that? I mean, you can have the right convictions. You know I'm for every bit of that. I'm not for loose living. I'm not for compromising. I'm not for dropping standards. But I'm telling you, you got to be careful about those convictions and standards. Not you got to be careful in the sense, number one, that you don't compromise. Amen? But then you got to be careful, number two, that you don't let it lift you up in pride. That you don't let it, that you remind yourself that you're still made of the old same stuff. That you may not drink and smoke and chew and run with those who do. And thank God if you don't tonight 
act, but you still live in a wicked flesh. Amen. And bitterness is just as wicked as nakedness. Amen. And jealousy is just as wicked and gossip is just as wicked as drinking or any of those other things that we could ever think about tonight. And oftentimes in a Baptist church, you know what happens? You can preach on the outward sins of the flesh and it's easy to get an amen and I'm glad people do. But I tell you, when you get on bitterness and jealousy and wrath and I'm telling you all kinds of things like that, it'll get silent in a lot of churches. Amen. You know why? Because we're not guilty of going out and playing the lottery and committing adultery. And I'll tell you, when you start dealing on the inwardness of the heart, things like malice uh, and things like a long tongue uh, and things like uh, an evil spirit, uh, uh, things like that. I'll tell you, when you get involved in all of that, we're getting down to where the rubber meets the road in our life. But we got to be careful in the pews that we keep the right spirit. And what this text proves tonight is just because someone says something that's right doesn't mean that they're right. I'm talking about the right message, but the wrong spirit. Four little things tonight, and we'll be through, that you've got to be aware of. I, I feel like this is a, a, a message tonight of, of maintenance, or maybe I would call this a message of, of education tonight. What I'm going to preach tonight is not something that I see as a pastor that's on the rise in this church. This church tonight, but I will tell you this, it has been here before. And I'm telling you as your pastor tonight, what I pray is that this message will not go over your head, but that it'll sink in your heart. And if you're somebody that you've not been saved very long, maybe 10 years or 15 years, and you don't have discernment in this area, I pray that God will let this message be something that turns the light on. Because I promise you there's going to come a day when you're going to need what I'm preaching tonight and you're going to need it in this church. Amen. And now it's a message I think that ought to be preached in every church not because I'm preaching it uh, but just because I see it everywhere that I go and I've experienced it even as a pastor from time to time. There's some things you got to be aware of because see people will come in sometimes uh, and boy they'll say the right things uh, and everything will look right and everything will sound right and if you and I are not careful here's what will happen. We'll be fooled by friends We'll be fooled by personality. We'll be fooled by talent. Amen. I mean, somebody can get up and sing like a mockingbird, or maybe they got a good delivery in a sermon, and you're just drawn to that. And oftentimes, you know what'll happen? Maybe they got a personality that won't quit. They got great charisma, or maybe you build a special bond with them. And listen, you love them, and you've got close to them. If you are not careful, and if I'm not careful, you know what'll happen to us? We'll overlook some very, some very important things that ultimately, you know what it could do? It could split the church. I'm telling you, there's times that the Holy Ghost has told me, you better really do some praying. And in those times, it's not problems that just arise and leave in a week or two. I'm going to tell you, sometimes they're long time coming and they're long time going away. And sometimes you would like to, the innocent get sucked into things. I'm again, I don't know anything. If I did, I'd bust it right now. I'm telling you, that's just how I would do tonight if I knew something. But it's prevented maintenance tonight. And if you've ever took notes on a sermon, you ought to take it tonight. I want to say tonight, you say, what do you got to be aware of when somebody's got the right message but the wrong spirit? Number one, you have to be aware of the perp- their purpose tonight. You see, the Bible said in verse number 16 that it came to pass as we went to prayer. I promise you, when you start praying, the devil's going to show up. 
A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of, div- of divination, metas, notice this, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now, when I think about the purpose of what this damsel is doing, everything she's doing is satanic. Isn't that right? I mean, you can see it in this text here. It's for self-gain. Amen? What the crowd, the men, the masters in this text, they're using, misusing this young girl uh, for these simple reasons. Number one, for gain. Number two, for gold. And number three, for glory. Amen? I'm going to tell you, sometimes people will come in the house of God and listen, they'll have sugar running out both sides of their mouth, everything they say, it's sweet as honey and it sounds good, but you always got to be aware of that purpose, amen? I'm telling you, some people, they're all about gain. They're, they're, listen, they're, giver, they're takers, they're not givers. They're for whatever they can get, even in the church house, and some are all about glory, amen? They got to be in the forefront. They, they got to be number one. They, they got to work their way. You know, there's no ladder in this church. Can I get an amen right there? I mean, that's even for the pastor. There's no ladder in this church. I'm telling you, the ground is level tonight at the foot of the cross. You're looking as much of a at someone who's as much of a sinner tonight as an old drunk, amen. The only difference between me and a drunk in a ditch tonight is I'm just a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. But the truth is, I deserve the same hell. I deserve the same punishment. I live in the same old rotten flesh tonight that that old drunkard's living in. And if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, Jesus and the grace of God, I'd be going to the same place he's going to. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, but there's some people, uh, they come into church uh, and they want to, they want to rise. Uh, uh, they want to work their way to the top. Uh, and you've got to be aware of that. You say, Brother Gravely, why? Because they'll suck you into that. Amen. They'll use you to be one of the pawns uh, in their little pool. Amen. They'll make you one of their little cronies uh, uh, to build some kind of coalition. Uh, and it ought to be pretty. I'm telling you more churches have been split because people come in and they've got to have first place. I'm going to tell you the only one that's going to get first place in this church is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the one that ought to be lifted up. It's not the pastor. It's not the deacons. It's not the church members tonight. I'm telling you we're nothing without him. Amen. And if somebody come in here tonight and they wanted to be number one I'd say we'd all be better off if they took their canoe and their little old paddle and just paddled themselves on down the river. Amen. Because if you try to rob God of his glory, you'll lose the presence of God. Amen. But you can't be ignorant to that tonight. When you see self-glory in a church, you ought to mark it and pray about it. Don't get involved in it. Don't go around and talk about it. You got to be aware of people's purpose. You got to be aware of people who want to brag on themselves all the time. You got to be aware of people that want to promote themselves. They want everybody to know everything that they're doing. Amen. You got to be aware of what is the what is our purpose tonight as a pastor. What is my purpose tonight? Is it to help the church? Is it is it to to grow the church? That's not my purpose tonight. God didn't call me to to build a church. I, I couldn't build a church if my life depended on it. Amen. And Jesus never called any preacher to build a church. He told Peter, "Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, talking about himself, he said, I will build my church.' Amen." 
and it's up to him to decide the, the size of the local church. I know he's talking about the universal church and the bride of Christ, uh, but you know on this local scale tonight, the numbers are up to him. We go spread the gospel. We tell people about Jesus Christ, uh, but I'm not building a kingdom tonight. Amen. I'm not trying to build a name. I'm not trying to build a legacy. I tell you, if I was, I was doing a poor job at it. I'm not trying to build anything tonight. I'm not trying to fill the church. I'm trying to fill the pulpit. I'm not preaching to help nobody. You say, you're not even preaching to help nobody? No, I'm not. I'm not preaching to be heard tonight. Preaching for one reason, to glorify God. And I read a, a, I read a statement a man told one time in his testimony. He said, when I started out as a young preacher, he said, I preached to be heard. I wanted people to know what I knew. He said, then I took my first church, and he said, I preached to help people. I fell in love with the congregation, and all I wanted to do was help them. He said, and then I realized I couldn't help nobody. He said, I finally got to the place in my early 50s that I decided that there's only really one reason for me to even be up preaching, and it's the very reason God called me to preach it, and that's to bring glory and honor to God. And he said, in the midst of that, when I started preaching to glorify God, he said, I realized something. You'll always be heard, and people will always get help. If your motive to get up and preach is just to glorify God, I'm telling you, I can't help you tonight, and if the only person you hear in this sermon is me, you're going home the same way you came. Amen. And I'll tell you if the purpose to sing and the purpose to preach uh, and the purpose to be here on a Wednesday night is for us to glorify God and not to be seen and not to magnify self. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, he'll be lifted up uh, and he'll be pleased uh, and we'll all be helped as a result of it. Amen. But you got to be aware of people's purpose. Amen. Because they might have the right message but have the wrong spirit. And that spirit may not always be a foul spirit. It may not always be an evil spirit. It may not be a, always be a bad spirit or a bitter spirit. It may be a spirit of just the wrong purpose of glorifying self. Not only be aware of their purpose, but secondly, you've got to be aware of, the pray, of their praise. Notice in verse number 17, the Bible said, The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way... Of salvation. You know, when you think about what this damsel is saying, it's a devil talking through her. And what she, what she is saying is the truth. She's delivering a right message. Her message is about the servants. These men are the servants. Her message is about the sovereign, the most high God, capital G. Her message is about service, which show unto us. Her message is about salvation, the way of salvation. I mean, everything. You couldn't find anything wrong with what she's saying but the Spirit. You see, tonight, just because someone praises the man of God doesn't mean they're behind the man of God. In fact, I'll tell you this, when people really are in trouble, you know what they'll do? Oftentimes, this, and, and somebody may stand up here Sunday and say, I'm behind the preacher. I don't have a problem with that. Boy, thank God for somebody to say it. But there are some people that when they get up and say it, a little red flag goes up. Because they'll get up and say, I'm behind the preacher. The only problem is their actions and words don't follow that. 
And I'm going to tell you, they may be behind the preacher, and they may get up often and say, boy, I'm behind you. I'm behind the preacher. I've seen people do that before, and all the while I knew their evil schemes. I I knew their manipulation and that they were pulling in other places, and they didn't know I knew that, but God always lets a preacher find out something. They get up and say, boy, preacher, I'm behind you. I thought you sure are with a big old knife. Amen. Plunge right under my rib cage. You're 100. You know what? They may say they're behind you, but I'll tell you one thing they'll never say. They're below you. Amen. They'll never get below you. I'm going to tell you, I'm not, when I was coming up and had a man of God, I'll tell you what my preacher taught me, better than be behind me, you get under me. Amen. You get under that authority. You get under that preaching. Amen. And any man of God worth his saw, he's not going to be a lord over God's heritage. He's not going to try to to run the the church. Amen. He's going to be sensitive and lead the church. Amen. I'll tell you that crowd that they're always behind the preacher but won't get below him. You got to watch them, amen. They'll say the right things publicly like she's doing about the preacher. She's praising Paul and Silas publicly. The only problem is it's not real, amen. And just because somebody says that, it does not always mean that. See, they'll say that in church, but then they'll go to Applebee's. Say, what do you think about preacher's sermon? I haven't heard anything, but if you've been to Applebee's and said that, then hey, I hope you wear this shoe out. Amen. What do you think about preacher's sermon? What do you think about, what, what, what do you think about, why do you think preacher is doing such and such? One time a lady said something. She said something to some lady in this church, and that lady said something to me at the foyer back there, not running her down, but she didn't even realize what she was saying. And that lady had just left, and as soon as she said that, I said, call her right now. And ask her to come back here. And when she came back here, when she walked in with that lady present, I said, did you say such and such? Because I wanted to say it in front of this lady so she could not lie. Amen. You say, Brother Gravely, why would you do that? Well, you know, 90% of what people would say, I would just let go and it ain't going to bother me. But this particular thing could have been detrimental to this church. So it had to be stopped immediately. I'm telling you tonight, you got to be aware of people's praise. You watch people that get up and they praise everybody that sits up here. Amen. But they wouldn't give you the time of day. They wouldn't spit on you if you was on fire. I'm telling you what I've seen tonight. I've watched them birds come in, turkeys, birds, whatever you want to call them. Buzzards. I've watched them come in. And they know everybody sits like, like, like anybody up here has got any authority, including me. And they'll watch people that, uh, and, and they'll work their way around. I said, well, I know what they're doing. I'm not dumb. These deacons sit out here, but they got more pull than, than anybody. Amen. And you know, that they'll, they'll work their way around. They'll butter people up. Are y'all still with me tonight? Amen. You know what you do? You butter a turkey up before you put it in the oven. So when they start buttering you up, you just you know immediately what they think of you. They think yeah. you're they think you're a dumb old turkey. Is what they think you are. That their sweet little old sayings is going to somehow pull the string. You better watch that stuff. I'll tell you, I learned that through Brother Allen, Brother Blue, Amen. Charles Roach taught me a lot of that. He taught you you keep everybody, you love everybody, but you keep everybody arm length. That's pretty close, ain't it? 
But anything further than arm length is invasion of your space. Can I get a witness on that? Y'all, even people, I, I, does it, people make you nervous that when they talk to you, they get right here. Or you can smell their breath and they never have good breath when they do that. Never. It never smells minty. It smells like a septic tank, you know? And you take one step back and they take two steps forward. I just want to say, hey, get out of my zone. You know, get three feet, you know? That's where everybody ought to be at. Y'all agree with that? That's just common sense, ain't it? But you know, uh, you got to be aware of their praise. You got to be aware of the preacher. Look at Paul, look at Paul in verse number verse number 18. And this she did many days. But Paul being grieved. You know, if I if it wasn't for that sake, if I mean I know the Bible tells us in verse 16. But if I was just standing there listening to this woman speak, I could be fooled by what she's saying that that God's really in it. One of the ways that if I didn't have the Bible to tell me in verse number 16 what was going on, we're reading after the occasion, so we already know what's going on. If we didn't have the Bible, we were just standing there, and she's coming along, and, and she's making this statement, and she's saying it over and over and over. But, but you know what? I, listen, if I didn't have the Bible, I could look at Paul. Because Paul, he's not buying it. Paul's grieved. You know, God will tell a man of God some things, won't he? That preacher will know. In fact, if you want to know the truth, her announcement that she's making in verse number 17, I thought about it, it's not near as much about Paul as it is about her. Amen? She's not saying this for Paul's sake. She's saying this for their own sake. And that's the way it is sometimes. You have to be aware of people's praise. You have to be aware of their purpose. But you ought to always watch the preacher. Be be aware of the man of God. Does the man of God know everything? No. Does the man of God always get everything right? No. But I'll tell you, he'll hit the bullseye nine. 99% of the time. And you know why? Because the Holy Ghost turns the light on when something don't add up. Amen. He may not even know why. He may not even be able to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. I'm telling you, God will just give him a restless spirit. God will not let him get settled. God will trouble him. I tell you, if God's going to speak, he's going to speak through the pastor. Amen. He's going to talk to the preacher. The preacher's not a God. He's not a Lord. He doesn't know everything. I tell you, God will turn the light on just when he needs today, man. I tell you, if I wasn't a pastor tonight, if I was a member and I was sitting in the church, I don't care. Listen, if somebody could come in and they could, listen, I wouldn't care if they could sing like Square Parsons and I'm telling you, if they could preach like Billy Sunday, if the man of God didn't have peace about it, if he had a, listen, if he had, if he felt uncomfortable, I'm going to be uncomfortable with him. Amen. I mean, I'm just local church. I'm local pastor. I don't give a rip what this newer generation thinks about it. Amen. I believe you ought to stay with the man of God. I believe God, hey, God's always been good to me for getting under a pastor and holding his hands up and just staying with him. Amen. I tell you, I know when somebody's not right. They'll go out and they'll say something like this. Well, who does Brother Gravely think he is? I mean, he's flesh like everybody else. That's the truth. But you ought to watch the preacher. Paul's burdened in this text. What she's saying sure ain't making Paul feel good. She's saying these are men of God. Paul's grieved by what she's saying. You know, a real man of God will not let the he'll let the compliments go in one ear and out the other. You know, thank God for encouragement. I had a man this today, eighty-five years old. I hadn't saw him, and I only saw him probably four or five times in my lifetime. But I know who he is. 
And he sent me a text today and, and a few words of encouragement. And it blessed my heart. Because I didn't even know that man even knew I even existed. And he just gave me away. And I texted back. I said, I said, thank you for the kind words. I'm not worthy of them, but I certainly appreciate your encouragement. And then I forgot all about it. You know why? Because if you hold them compliments, you know what they'll do? They'll... <laughs> you'll blow up like a toad frog. Don't ever believe what people say about you. Because I'm going to tell you something. It ain't never as good as they say it is. And thank God it ain't never as bad. <laughs> Somebody comes up and you say, man, you're the best singer in the whole wide world. That's probably not true. You're the greatest preacher on planet earth. That's not true. Thank you for the encouragement. Boy, it is encouragement, ain't it? But forget all about it. I'm telling you, nobody could ever testify like you. Don't believe that for one second. It's good to encourage people, ain't it? It's good to give a compliment. We ought to compliment one another. We ought to, to, to the Bible talks about that, that our, our speech, ought to, our words ought to minister grace to the hearers. We, we ought to not say negative things to each other. We ought to not tear each other down. We ought to say things that, that are a blessing. And, and it's all right to get up and say, I love my church. I love my pastor. I love my Sunday school teacher. All that is wonderful in its place, isn't it? But you always got to beware. Watch the preacher, Paul's burden. Watch him. He's bold in this text. He turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. You know, the Bible said she had said this many days. Paul had his belly full, didn't he? And you know, that's the way it is sometimes as a preacher. And I, I don't have, I'll tell you, I got no ax to grind tonight. I hadn't heard anything. I, I'm telling you, I don't want you to walk out of here and not say, wow, man, he must have ate gunpowder before he came tonight. No, I'm just preaching. But it ought to be preached. I would rather preach it tonight when there is no problem as to get neck deep in something because I didn't preach it. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, you got to watch it. You got to watch it in the youth group. You got to watch it in the, in, in the, in the, in, uh, you married couples have to watch it tonight. Every one of us, as a preacher, I have to be careful with this tonight. You watch the man of God. Listen, a preacher, any preacher worth his salt that loves the Lord and loves the church never wants to rip anybody. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with somebody who wants to get in the pulpit, brother laddie, and rip the church up and then go off and brag about it. Amen. They got a bad spirit. They, there's something not right with that person. You love people. You preach to them. You want to you preach the word of God. You want to be a blessing to them. But you know at the end of the day, I made the same stuff you're made of tonight. And I, I, I need God's help just like you. I don't feel like I'm anything above anybody. But what I'm simply saying is this tonight. There comes times when your pastor and every pastor is going to have to just lay the law down. And I promise you when they come, man, I'll tell you, they, we absolutely hate to do it. But for the, for the cause of Christ, the sake of, and I'm going to tell you, when the law gets laid down, it might be your best friend. It might be your BFF in church. The one that you, you just, man, they couldn't do no wrong and, and preacher just ripped them a new one. no. I tell you, the devil could use anybody tonight, including me. And I'm telling you this for a reason. That's why you keep people at an arm length. That's why fellowship is spread all throughout the church. That's why as a pastor and as Sister Gravely is a pastor's wife, we always have to be careful that, that you know, we don't, get, we don't get so tight. Can I get an amen right there? 
with just one person. You say, but Brother Gravely, I, I have so many things in common with them, and that's wonderful, but I'm going to tell you something. Fellowship doesn't have anything to do with things in common. Because if that was true, God had never fellowship with any of us. Amen. You know what fellowship is tonight? It's reaching out to everybody in this church. Fellowship is balancing the scale. Fellowship is finding somebody that needs help. I, I'm telling you, just preaching tonight. Fellowship is looking at somebody that don't have a friend and going over and saying, I'll be their friend. That's fellowship. That's Christian fellowship. Fellowship is finding somebody that may be a down and out. Or that fellowship is finding that person that everybody shuns or everybody talks about. So you know what? I'm going to be their friend because they need it more than anybody else. Fellowship is, is me being friends not with somebody that I gain from, but somebody that I minister to. That's what the Lord does in our life. And I'm telling you, that's how we're to treat others. And, and you've got to be aware. But there comes times when the man of God just has to, boy, he just has to deal with stuff, don't he? That's right. And I don't, I had a young preacher tell me, he took a church and he'd been there a year and he said, you know, he said, I just don't like, uh, I just don't like confrontation. I said, well, you need to resign because you can't pastor a church without it. You can have the best church in the world and I think I, I, think I pastor the greatest church in the world. But there's going to be confrontation. And the reason there's going to be confrontation is because if you've got a, anything that God is blessing, anything that the Lord is working in, guess what? The devil's going to try to stick his head in the middle of it. And the pastor has a responsibility to put an end to it before it get, becomes a cancer. That's what Paul's doing here. He's stopping it before it gets any worse. Be aware of your preacher. Watch him. Be aware of the praise. Be aware of the purpose. And then be aware of the persecution. Because when you get to verse number 19, I didn't read all this, but down to verse 23, you can look at it. Look at the loss in verse 19. When her master saw that the hope of their game was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. The lies in verse 20, they brought them to the magistrate saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither do observe being Romans. Look at these leaders in verse 22. That, you know, the multitude rose up because of those who led them. And in a, whenever the devil gets in a church, here's what happens. It always starts with somebody. And they have to be the ringleader. They can't do it by themselves. So they have, whether it's family, friends, or whoever, they have to build a little coalition. And perhaps a lot of people in that little coalition are innocent people that doesn't, they can't see all that's going on. They don't know the motive. They don't know the outcome. But the man of God's aware of it. He sees what's coming down the pipe. And he prays and he tries to stop it. And sometimes when he does stop it, just as Paul did here, here's what's going to happen a lot of times. Persecution's going to come. Somebody's going to say something that's not true. Somebody leaves a church because, uh, you know, maybe the pastor had to deal with something. The truth never gets told. They're not pastors. And I thought about this. When good people are done wrong, they never retaliate. When people that are doing right, I'm talking about if the pastor deals with something and God, he's got a right spirit, he's done everything you can to, to avoid it, but it comes down to it and there's nothing else and you just got to deal with it and they leave. If he's really right with God, here's what will happen. He won't open his mouth about it. He'll just carry on. Because you know why? The truth needs no defense tonight. 
or when people leave and they leave with a bad spirit. And I'm glad I'm preaching this tonight when nobody's really left. But I promise you what I'm telling you will happen one day. It's happened in the past. It'll happen in the future. It may happen to somebody that's dear to you in the church. It may happen to somebody that that you don't want to see go no more than, than the leadership would want to see it go. But when those things happen, you remember this, there'll be persecution. Things will be said. They'll use, they'll tell things in the community. Every church that's ever stood for the tr- truth has been persecuted. Can we get an amen right there? Every man of God that's ever stood for the truth, something has been told on it. And if you try to defend all that, If you try to run it down, you do greater damage to the cause of Christ than if you just keep on preaching and keep on plowing. And as a church, you know what you do? You just keep walking back through the doors and you keep on worshiping God. I'm telling you, sometimes there's been losses in the church and it's been like a funeral when somebody's left, hasn't it? Because we all loved them and we hated to see them go. But the work of God goes on, doesn't it? Down through the years, there's a list. In my prayer book, there's a list of people that down through the years were at one time there's a great blessing to the church. And they left. There's another list of people, a short list, thank God, of people that came in and they thought they was going to cause trouble, but God took care of it. And I never wish anything bad on any of those people. I wish they would get right with God. But can I tell you, not a one of them tonight has their life ever turned out good. I had to go to a man one time. It's been years ago. I laid in the bed all night long till 6 o'clock in the morning. I tried to sleep. And I couldn't sleep. Because it had finally came to a point of that there was no, and I'm ta- you talk about the right message. I mean, he had the gift of gab. And he could say the right thing. And you know what? He must have told me, Brother Laddie, he must have told me 25 times. Now, I'm behind you, preacher. But that ain't, he had the right message, but he had the wrong spirit. One time I had to shut him down because of something he said. I said, Brother, that's not your place. You're not the pastor. And I laid in bed all night because here's what a pastor thinks about when something like that happens. You contemplate, if I make this decision, Lord, I want to do what you asked me to do, but how's that going to affect the church? How's it going to affect innocent people that don't know all the circumstances and never can know all the circumstances and don't need to know all the circumstances? How's that going to affect them, Lord? I laid in the bed till 6 a.m. I remember looking at the clock. It was like 5.59, 5.58 and, and I tried to get out of it. And the Holy Ghost said, you either deal with this today, Saturday. He said, you either deal with this today or it'll deal with you tomorrow. And I'll tell you, I went to that brother. And I went to, and he is a brother. I went to him in tears. And I tried to, I just basically said this. I said, look, this church ain't big enough for both of us. I said, you have to find another place to roost. Because it ain't happening here. And uh, he left. And I'm going to be honest with you. I wept over it. I wept over it. My heart broke about this whole situation. But you had to come right back in Sunday and preach like nothing happened. You had to just carry on, you know. 
And a few years later, I was up in North Carolina preaching. And the back door opened and he walked in. And when he walked in, this is what ran through my mind. I thought he had no idea I was preaching or he wouldn't have. And there he would not have walked across the street to hear me preach. He walked in and sat on the back row. And after church, he came up to me. He said, hey, he said, can we go get a bite to eat? I said, sure. And it was, uh, I think it was Tuesday night. He said, can you come and preach for me tomorrow night? I couldn't believe he was even asking me to come preach for him. And I said, I may have to call the church, but I said, I think, and let them know. But I, I would never have done that under any other situation. But in that circumstance, I thought, I don't know what this brother wants, and I'm going to go. And I went to that church, and I'm going to tell you something. To put it lightly, they had chewed him up and spit him out. And he was just, he was just in a mess that night. You see, you reap what you sow. And you reap more than you sow. And I'm going to tell you, my, I got no joy. I tell you, I, my heart broke with him. We sat down at a Wendy's and, and I wept for him. And I, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm sorry you're in this situation. I'm, I, I'm not, I've not been there, but I've seen it so many times. You know, you move your family someplace, you leave everything you know, you go, you, you, you know, you get a, you, you put everything you got in a church, and who knows why things happen, but then it happens, and here's what happens when all the, when everything, everything just goes upside down. You have to pack all your belongings back up, figure out how you're going to get next month's salary or pay, pay your bills. You have to move your family somewhere because you can't stay here. And everybody else goes back and punches a clock the next morning and forgets about it. And I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't wish that on my enemy tonight. And I wept for him. I said all that to say this tonight. Right message, wrong spirit. I remember coming back home from that, and I said, Dear God, please help me. I, I'm made of the same stuff he is. Don't ever let me get so lifted up that the devil uses me like that. It could happen. I'm telling you tonight, it could happen to me. It could happen to you tonight. Don't ever let, Lord, please, don't. I mean, I'd rather have the rug jerked out from under me tonight as to be so blinded by my selfish pride that I, that I become a detriment to the work of God tonight as we stand Prevented maintenance, if you need to come, come on tonight.